Hi, Creepsters. This is Barry Marino. I'm here to talk about the creepiest TV show that ever existed. You guys love that TV show, Tales from the Crypt? What kind of creepster would you be if you didn't? Well, have I got a podcast for you. It's called the Good Evening Kitties Podcast. They review every Tales from the Crypt episode and movie with bonus horror movie reviews for fun including that 1972 tales from the crypt movie from hammer films you remember that one where joan collins is being stalked by that maniac in the santa suit and she can't call the cops because she just offed her husband (laughs) y'all ever wonder if that was linda evans behind that mask behind that santa mask (laughs) the good evening kitties podcast you can follow on twitter at G-E-K podcast and find episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and more. Scary Ghost. Creepy Serial Killers. All things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Hi, Creepsters. I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And welcome to another episode of open shutters a creepy podcast uh michael unfortunately had what is wasn't able to be with us today but we'll be looking forward to seeing him again hopefully next week huh hopefully all right so well this week uh this is our last show of 2021 yo and it's also the uh season five that is... Is it season five or season six we're in now? I keep on... I can't... I get confused. I can't confuse. Let me look it up and see. We are in season five. This is our season five finale. And it's... All, it, it, and it's, uh, you know, like I said, the last of 2021. And we have... We, we saved one of the best vampire things for last. Yeah, it ends our vampire's delight. Yes. yes which we... Today, we, uh, we're talking about the Dark Shadows phenomenon. Yes. We're going to discuss everything Dark Shadows in the second half of our show from the groundbreaking 1960s daytime soap opera to the ill-fated and ill-conceived Johnny Depp 2012 feature film. And we'll talk about everything that happened in between, including the feature films that came directly from the soap opera, the two movies that were made during the run of the soap opera, the 1991 reboot, and then there was an attempt at reboot in 2004. We're going to kind of touch on it a little bit, too. But uh, first, what we're going to talk about. What's going on with you, Philip? Oh, I've, I've made it back here to How below you... sea level. I've come down from the mountain. I spent the holidays in Colorado. Oh. I was in... Uh, How was your Christmas? I was in Montrose and Telluride. I was in Telluride for Christmas and now every time I hear tell you ride, I think of those Kia automobiles. It wait a minute though. I know you think it's like, but it is really an interesting place and actually it's this little small town and it's like uh these couple of streets go kinda of long and it's in this valley, mountain valley. And I remember one night we were on the gondola and uh 
coming down and you see these little twinkling lights in this little small town in a valley as you're going down. Because we were actually staying in Mountain Village, which was another little town area. But that was a little more like a resort. Telluride is the actual old mining town. Ah. So, uh, so, uh, but it's all it's all considered Telluride overall, the whole thing. Um, but one of the things was is the gondola one night. It was kind of like kind of snowy and misty and dark and there's a point on the gondola where you're going through the dark forests and the only light that is being picked up is on the snow lightly from like moonlight and starlight so it was really kind of mystical and creepy and i'm just like i feel i felt like the old spirits were out there in the woods you know it was very very that sounds very very creepy that sounds perfect for this podcast yeah (laughs) and we did one night we actually even saw some elk actually go running underneath the gondola so that was elk or whatever we're running underneath some deer it was really it was Oh yeah, that was kind of magical too. I think I told you about the time that they had the gondola at the 1984 World's Fair, okay. and it stayed <laughs> after the fair left. They kept the gondola open, and like on the other side, you, you went across the river, and then on the other side of the river, there was a little, a little fair thing. You know, it was mostly like little booths with food and stuff like that. So a friend of mine came to visit for Mardi Gras that year. It would, it would have been 1985, the year after the. You know, the World's Fair. We got on the gondola, and it stopped in right in the middle of the river. We were hanging over the river for something like 45 minutes. And it felt like a lifetime. And I didn't know what was happening. Mm -mm. We didn't have cell phones back then where we could call somebody and find Mm -mm. out what was going on. Mm -mm. We had to just sit there and and, and think of whether we were going to die or not. So we finally go to the other side of the river, and... The only, you couldn't get a cab or anything, so we had to take that damn thing back after that. But somebody somewhere else, I forget who it is, bought the gondola about a year later, and they dismantled it and brought it. They wound up closing it anyway because it was always breaking. Well, luckily, yeah. these ski ones up in Tallarada are well-maintained. Yeah. Okay? So, <laughs> I don't think they were taking very good care of it. No, no, these, the, no, these in Tallarada are very well-maintained. Um mm-hmm. This is, this, is most, this is one of the most important forms of uh, transportation because it actually takes a lot longer to go from Mountain Village to get all the way down to Telluride because you got to go all the way around. It takes a lot longer by vehicle than if you just took the gondola. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that makes sense. So it is make, it does make a lot more sense. Luckily, though, I didn't make it home overall because with all this airline madness, we really lucked out. Yeah, we made we made we were slight little delays on our flights, but we didn't get any cancellations. Between all the COVID stuff that's still going on at the end of 2021, we're still dealing with it, and all the 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 uh, the staff shortages and everything. I'm sure that that's like an airline travel a nightmare these days. What are your plans for New Year's Eve? Probably just my little happy ass at home <laughs> with my cat and my man. Well, we are only open at the store where I work until. Until six, so it's most sense for me to go to work at five and get off at six, doesn't it? So, so Will's going to work the whole day, but I decided I'm going to. I need some money, so I'm probably going to drive Lyft. There you go. You know, and and makes and make a little money. There's tomorrow. people. There's people. Oh, in the they're city. everywhere. They're all over the place. We got the Sugar Bowl happening. They're expecting the hotels the might game. end up at 100 percent capacity, and it's uh, definitely going to be over 90 something percent. It's so, it's yeah, it's going to be pretty wild. I should make enough money in just a couple of hours. 
Which is well, what great. did you do for your your Christmas holiday? Well, then? okay. Well, you know Lance's birthday is Christmas. Right, right. Eve. It's yeah. So, but the day before on the twenty third, we went back on the city of New Orleans boat where we went oh, for went my ag- birthday. Oh, I went again. And it was a little different this time because it was cold, and it's funny because that was the last cold day we had, and then oh yeah, and know. then it got hot. And on Christmas Day it was eighty degrees, but the day before Christmas Eve. And yeah, and the store was closed on Christmas. Uh, the store was uh, the store did on Christmas Eve, like we doing for New Year's Eve. We only open till six, so we got. I let Will have that shift, and we were closed on Christmas. Okay. So I had like for the first time in a long time, I had like three days off from that from my job. I'm supposed to be working part time. And I really feel like I'm working full time. The only difference you is... you are working quite a bit. I really am. I'm working full time, and uh, but it's uh, but I, I mean I need the money. I got car notes and credit cards and all kinds of nonsense. So I'm not really complaining, but I do have a cap on how much you can make starting. So are you telling the listeners you need somebody reliable to come also work there so that you don't have to work? Well, I'll, but all we really need is a full time, is a part time that can work maybe one. One, maybe two days a week and be there in case somebody gets sick. And you know, I was sick with that stomach thing for like two weeks. So if you're out there and you have an affinity for understanding the porn industry and it can sell a vibrator to anyone, you might consider going apply there. There are customers in the store that listen to us. <laughs> you might but consider going apply there. I had that, um, that, that illness and I wound up going to, and just like last year, I went to the ER... They couldn't find anything wrong with me. They said it was probably some kind of bug. I still, this is still tripping me out about what's going on with you. I asked him about that sludge with the uh, with the the gallbladder. He said, I, he said if I had that, it wouldn't go away. It doesn't. So it couldn't be that. But I don't know if you could be having a precursor zone, and eventually it does end up being. That. Well, it could. I mean, it happened around the same time. Because this is how it happened for me: is, is I had I had intermittently where I would have these bouts of whatever, and then it got to a point where it never went away. Well, it stayed all the time. It's extremely it went, painful. And then, and then, as fast as it came, it went away. I, I stayed on soup and yogurt. I don't. I'm not taking any NSAIDs now because I don't want to um, roll it up. Oh God! I'm, no. I, I stayed on soup and you yogurt. realized the mistake you made, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, realized, I stayed on uh, soup and yogurt until the day of the cruise because I, I wanted yeah. to eat the the, 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 the shrimp and pasta yeah. and the, and and I wanted really? to eat the, the green beans are really awesome and the and the potatoes. I wanted I wanted to eat two foods. So and then for Christmas. We had turkey, we had lasagna, we had baked macaroni, which is the only thing we still have left over. We have people with very hearty appetites that live in this house, and our Christmas and holiday leftovers never last. But we have um, we, we, we don't have any more lasagna or potato salad from Rocky and Carlos, and baked macaroni. And I'm gonna tell you that 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 lasagna from from Rocky and Carlos is pretty awesome. I guess the Italian people know how to make lasagna, and um, and we enjoyed that. It was really good. And then I got a new pair of slippers. I got a new wallet. I got I got a massage pillow. I was wondering when the day I was going to come to be the old man that gets a massage pillow for Christmas. <laughs> and it's here. It is definitely here. I only bought myself more jewelry. That's what I did. I bought myself more jewelry while I was on my trip. Well, 
I bought myself a bottle of Calvin Klein's Escape from Men, which is one of my favorite colognes. I have not worn cologne in a long time. I don't know what made me. I think it. I think it was the expense. But as long as I was buying presents for everybody else, cologne makes you feel good, though it does. Yeah, it feels good to nice. It feels really good to smell nice. I mean, it's it's one thing you can. I mean, you should always take a shower, put deodorant on, da da da. But well, no, I do all that too. But there's something when you put cologne on, it just makes you feel better. It makes you and feel... people treat you better when you smell good. Exactly, they treat you differently. If you if you smell like a polecat, they like, like for example. On, um, I've known some people that drive Uber and Lyft, and they have some hygiene problems, and they always get in one stars and everything like that. And me, I the only time I get a one star is if I say the wrong thing to somebody, or I refuse to turn the heater on in August. That gets me a one star. But it, it's uh, I, I I would I, gladly own that one star because a heater in August in Louisiana is just dumb. Oh, yeah, well, I told you this girl. I remember the story you told me. Yeah, yeah. she says, I'll turn the heater on. It was August, and it was nighttime, but it was it was still like 100 degrees heat index out there. And I said, I'm going to turn the heat on. She goes, oh, I thought I was the passenger, like she's the boss or something. I said, look, I'm the one who pays for this car. I have a term I paid a note on this car. I have a term for her, but I'm not going to say it. It's far worse than that bitch. It's worse than Karen? It has a similar phonetics at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I don't. I reserve that for people because I mean, she that is so ridiculous. And she point. reported me and, and gave me a one star and said I wouldn't do what she wanted me to do. I wouldn't give her the service she requested. I'll just be nice. And I called. I'll be polite. And I, say call, I called Uber and I said, I said, you know, this is um, this is really a, an unreasonable request. Yeah, we I know it is. We agree, but we can't we can't change ratings. Hmm. I said so. I gotta wait five hundred rides for that rating to fall off. Yeah. I'll just call her that bitch. And you wonder why I don't want to ride share full time. Uh, yeah. And so that that was really had a really nice holiday. Good. And I was always glad to get away from work for a little while. When you get to be older like me, you really and truly don't need to be working like that. No. So. So let's now talk about what we've been watching. I hadn't, oh. I hadn't watched a whole lot. I've only been watching whatever I got because I haven't just since I've been back. I made it back on, was it late Monday? There was one. Thing so I've I... only wait. Like so, we've only like it's Thursday. I've, I, it hasn't been that well, long. Well, you you go first. So it hasn't been that long. So I've only I caught up. I finally watched the Dragula season grand finale for season four. Was spectacular. All the floor shows were spectacular, and I'll just say I was very happy with the result, but I'm not going to say who won, but I was very happy. Uh, The other thing I watched, which I actually watched today, is on Paramount Plus. They got a new movie. And what's it called? It's a Reno 911 movie. Oh. The Hunt for QAnon. And the same cast? (laughs) Yes. Including yes. the lady that played Beverly Goldberg. Oh my God! I don't. I, and Nisi Nash. I, I don't want to spoil, but oh my God! I might watch that tonight after we finish recording. Deputy Johnson. That's the one that's uh, the, the one that you think of Beverly Goldberg did. Yeah. Her part on remember. there is a mess. Uh, the oh, okay. I really don't want to spoil. It. The only thing I'm gonna give on it is 
is they go on this booze cruise to hunt for Q of QAnon. And then the most inept cops. <laughs> on a booze cruise, okay? Oh, if that doesn't make you laugh enough just by hearing that, go please go watch this on Paramount Plus. You will die from just how ridiculous well, it is. Well, there was get. one thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to tell you to put down. It's uh, by the guy uh, that 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 produced uh, Superstore. It's called American Auto. Oh, you told me about I this. I was telling you about Fred this before. Got right down here. Yeah. And uh, what's the guy? What's her name? Lynn, the the, the woman. The, she's a, she's a stand up comedian. Anna you know Gassire? what I'm talking about, huh? Was that Anna Gassire? Anna Gassire. She plays this woman who was in some totally unrelated business, and they hire her as a CFO of this auto company. Oh my god! And then <laughs> she and they and they they just. They, well, the first episode, they're trying to build this new car, and good lord, I have to go watch this. But the second episode, I'm just going to kind of touch you on the plot of it. They find out that a serial killer is using one of their automobiles to commit his crimes. Wow! <laughs> and every PR fuck up that could possibly happen happens, and Anna is just awesome in it. So there was some other things I mentioned. Yeah, you were watching some other stuff. Uh, yeah. Because I hadn't been watching too oh, much. Oh, I started watching Chicago PD because I was watching an episode of uh, SVU, Law and Order SVU, and it was continued on, on Chicago PD. Oh, okay. Okay, why is this thing here? There's something on my computer screen I don't like. Go away. Yeah, it's going now. And so, uh, also, um, I was watching, uh, oh, okay, this is a, this is on Netflix, it's a documentary called Bathtubs Over Broadway, and it's, the man, he was a, he was a head writer for David Leatherman, and he was a comedy writer for David hmm. Leatherman, and he, somehow or another he got involved with industrial musical numbers. You know what that is? When they have these big conventions... And they have these broad, big, overblown Broadway musical numbers that revolve around a certain product. Are you freaking serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, there's one of them from 1959, and they all dancing around one of those big-ass Oldsmobiles. And then there's that no, razor blades, unreal. and they got him dressed like razor blades, tap dancing and everything. And he collects the... I have to go watch He this. collects the albums from there, and he collects some some films. So it was, he's pretty, actually got it was some, pretty bizarre, He's actually got it? some 16-millimeter film of it. And oh he talked gosh. to some of the entertainers, so they, you know, because there's some that are still alive. These things went on from the 1940s, actually right after the war, but mainly 1950s, mm-hmm. all the way to, you know, like when the internet came about. Wow. And it is just, it's bizarre. It is like <laughs> nothing, you it, you didn't know, even know this existed. You're wondering, what the hell? What what, what are they thinking? Those are probably the things that are happening in the Ernest Morial Convention Center. <laughs> I mean, they're, they, they're splashing. Well, and they say that some of these... <laughs> Some of these numbers, some and some of these shows cost more than a Broadway play, and they only perform them like one week, and that's it. Are you serious? And it's like, they, and, and you know, they kind of go into a vault. And he he runs all around the country collecting these LPs, you know, these these final record albums, 
and these 16 millimeter <laughs> uh, films. Oh gosh, I don't think I should be laughing because I think these people put a lot of work into this, but it sounds so hilarious. And he just loves it. He's, his wife says he. I don't blame him. It's obsessed with it. He's got his whole house full of all these things, and it's really, it's it's like. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's you never. I, how, you 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 have no idea this exists. God, we don't know what's existed somewhere that we know nothing about. At least this isn't anything like snuff porn. <laughs> anything. It's uh, actually something fun. But oh, okay, we God. went from bad stuff over bro to snuff porn. Okay. Well, okay. anyhow, what? Oh, and, uh, there's a, the uh, Sandra Bullock movie on Netflix called The Unforgivable. Everyone's talking about it. I, it I is, haven't had a chance to Sandra watch it. Sandra Bullock is... It actually was released theatrically, like, for, I think, maybe for a couple of days, so there'd be some Oscar consideration. And Sandra plays a woman that went to prison for murder of a police officer. Oh. I did see the, I did see the trailer yeah, for and, it. And uh, she gets out. And people just treat her like shit, and they treat her terribly. But there's a big old giant twist at the end. Well, don't tell me. I want to go see uh, it. Watch it. Yeah, watch it. Let Sandra the people, Bullock. The people that Sandra Bullock is as awesome as wonderful as as usual. Like she is in just about everything she does. She's really good in this. All right. So where are we at now? We on the you obits. got some obits. You got some obits. All right. We're gonna start first with um, John Madden, the f- football fame uh, Hall of Fame coach. Broadcasting icon and video game hero. Uh, he uh, he died on uh, I guess it's a Tuesday morning. That must be when when's the date of this article? Was that like the other day? At the age of eighty five, and he gained fame uh, a decade long stint as coach of the renegade Oakland Raiders, and he made seven AFC title games, winning the Super Bowl following the 76 season, the 1976 season. And he also was a, he, he was a sportscaster, and later in his life, he became, like, the host of those, he, he started those football, like, Xbox and... That was huge! PlayStation my bro- games. My brother was all about it. Like, yeah, no, I, I actually remember playing with some of my cousins. I was a huge... Football person, but my cousins and my my brother, he had the he, they wanted to have the game, and so sometimes we would play, you know. Yeah, and you know he brought together two di- a certain different type of kids, like the sports jock type, and then the, the computer nerd type, and this was something that they could do together. Right. And also generationally, enjoyed. he brought the parents who thought the games were pretty cool. And a lot of times, I think my dad even got in on playing the Madden. Oh, my brother used to have all the Madden games. He used to play with my brother. Uh, uh, and so and that, so that was kind of cool. Where I think it brought the parents to the to the video game console back in the day. You know, where the yeah. parents weren't always doing it. It was good. It was a good way for the the like for parents to bond with the kids. So yeah. Some, so, okay, our next obit, rest in peace, John Madden, at the age of 85. Our next one is a politician, a former Senator Majority Leader, Harry Reid, died at 82. And he was uh, he was one of the top-rating Democratic senator, senatorial leaders following a four-year battle with pancreatic cancer. Good Lord, that's terrible. Um, mm. He was a very influential politician, Senator Majority Leader, from 2007 to 2015. 
He served with, in Congress for more than three decades, and both President Biden and former President Obama said that he was a great uh, uh, Senate leader. And in his years of service, he played the key role in passing the Affordable Care Act, uh, acted, advocated land conservation, conservation, and reforming financial regulation after the Great Recession. And he also led the Senate to eliminate the 60-vote majority needed to vote on most presidential nominees. And uh, different people like uh, Laura Reed, uh, his wife said in a statement, that her husband of 62 years died peacefully surrounded by family. He was a devout, devout family man and loyal friend, she said. Uh, he was born in, in, in poverty in, Nevada, in, in a Nevada town in 1939 and grew up with little means. And he became an amateur boxer in high school. Wow. He didn't look like a boxer, did he? Oh, yeah, they showed some images of the, And he gra graduated from Utah State University before he became a lawyer, produced a law degree. And they worked as a Capitol Police officer at night to help pay the bills. So after law school, he worked as city attorney, turned to state politics, and successfully ran for the office of the Nevada Assembly, which positions him later for Congress. And it was in 2018 he went under, underwent surgery for pancreatic cancer, and just last summer he was declared cancer-free. And obviously it came back. So yes, rest in peace, Harry Reid. Rest in peace. 82 years old. Okay, so our next one is... Oh, wait a minute. I don't have him yet. Uh-oh. You guys give me a minute. I kind of lost this so bit. Oh, Oh, how awful that is. Okay, here he is. Okay. Our next one is um, Desmond Tutu, the spiritual leader. And he... Um, oh, where is this? This isn't the right one. I'm trying to find something a little bit more about him. Well, I'll just say what you're looking at. He always seemed like one of the, one of the, the kindest... Sweetest people, like really, yeah. like genuinely seemed like. Yeah, and he was Even always truthful in the face of oppression. He was um, he was disliked by some people who were actually um, uh, assholes. <laughs> uh, he died of. I have to really apologize to everybody right now. I did not prepare this a bit like I should have. And I'm trying to, I'm scrambling to find an article on him or something. I know what I'll do. I know exactly what I'll do. I'm going to do good old Wikipedia. <laughs> and he is giving me a dirty look. Who? No, no. You. <laughs> All right, so he, um, they're going to be a little bit more about his death. Uh, he testified on behalf of the captured cell of Omiwokito, Wheezy, an armed apartheid group linked to the band African National Congress. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. He became a bishop of, of Johannesburg, and he was really big in fighting uh, the apartheid in, in South okay. Africa. Yeah, he was the Mandela with that. He, yeah. he he did, and Mrs. Mandela too. And Mrs. Mandela, yep. 
And um, Pope Francis lamented his death and praised Tutu for promoting uh, promoting racial equality and reconciliation in his native South Africa. Uh, we uh, so he's this is the most screwed up open I have ever done, and I apologize to Desmond Tutu. Oh, he was a. Uh, you know what though? He seemed like he had a good sense of humor. He'd actually make fun of you <laughs> in a very sweet way. So he was ninety years old. Alrighty, so rest in peace, Desmond Tutu. Yeah, Hopefully, peace, I do better Desmond. with the next one. Who's the next one? Um, oh yeah, I got her. I'm sorry, I I was got, I had a few of them and I forgot one. This is uh, Sally and Howells. The star of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with Dick Van Dyke, which was actually meant to be like the next Mary Poppins. And didn't quite happen that way, did it? I think by that time the musicals were starting to get. But she has another connection with Julie Andrews that besides Dick Van Dyke, who's in Mary Poppins playing along with her in, in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, she also took over My Fair Lady on Broadway for Julie Andrews. She was a child actor who rose to fame in the cult film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. She died in her sleep on Sunday. She was 91. Uh, uh, death was confirmed Monday on Twitter by her nephew Toby Howells, who responded to a friend's post about Howells passing with, I can also confer, confirm the passing of my loving Aunt Sally Ann Howells, who died peacefully in her sleep yesterday. And she was a child star who went on to be an adult. She, um, she was born in London in uh, 1930. Uh, no, wait, yeah. She's 91, 1930. And uh, to her first, uh, she began her acting debut at the age of 12 in the 1943 film Thursday's Child. In 58, she made her Broadway debut by replacing Julie Andrews as Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. And then she, um, it's a role that earned how with the attention of Albert Cubby Broccoli, the man who brought Chitty Chitty Bang Bang to the big screen. Because Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was a children's book. She survived by one son, and her last appearance was in the 1991 limited series, Secrets. So rest in peace, Sally Ann Howe. Okay, now this one's kind of fun. I have got to say, Philip found this. Yes. And uh, we decided we just had to cover it. We're always looking for intriguing, entertaining people it that have passed. It is just... Okay. <laughs> we found a character. Her name was... Um, well, she's um, Puppeta Maresca. Maresca. The beauty queen and mob wife who shot her husband's killer in cold blood. And while she was in prison for avenging her husband in broad daylight, she transformed into sort of a godmother. By the time she was released, she became a full-fledged criminal queen. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And most boo <laughs> She assassinated him. So she was a daughter of the mob. Her, her, she was born... Asunta Mascata, and she was beauty who was sure to always be a firecracker. In 1935, to a fearsome Italian family in the town of Casalamare di Sabina, near Naples. <laughs> oh, it's near Naples. That's near enough Naples, said. Yeah. As long as Napoli. Hot, and this is this town has also been a hotbed of the Neapolitan Camara criminal organization. Yes. 
uh, or the Italian mafia, which still runs the streets of Naples today. And she was, she was a beauty queen. And her family was called the Lightning Quick or the Lampatelli for their Lightning Quick knife skills. I <laughs> know. Oh, yes. Uh, you might have been related to her. I don't, I, I don't know. This is Esther Pepitone all over again. <laughs> the young... Uh, Maresca wasn't an exception. She was once even accused of drawing a knife on a classmate as a young girl. Right, yes, His reputation didn't keep her from dwelling in the spotlight. And at 19, she won a local beauty pageant and caught the attention of the man who would seal her fate, Pascal Simarete, known as Big Pascal from, from Nola. That's a town name, named Nola in the <laughs> He was a big old hulky man and... Uh, he fixed the prices of the fruit and vegetables at a local market. It's just it's like, oh God, just this is even worse than the Sopranos. They need to make a movie out of this woman, okay? This uh, woman deserves. guy's got to play this woman. She deserves a biopic, yes. And he wasn't a big wig like her, like like her father, but he was a match made in heaven, and he went to jail. For a brief time, he, he wanted, they wanted to get married, but once he got out, the Camarisa wed the mob princess, and the wedding was a big splashy celebration. Oh, of course. Why wouldn't it be a big splashy celebration? <laughs> but alas, a couple's happiness didn't last. Well, what happened? I'm, I, 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 I'm sit waiting with baby breath to see what happens. So, oh, yeah, that's right. She, he gets married. So soon after the wedding, she became pregnant. But some of Letty's professional troubles came back to haunt him, as the mob business is wont to do. And Mascara would later recall to the court that her husband was mockingly called the president of potato prices. This is too unreal. I also need to make a. Oh my god, how can we not want to call They need a comedy movie about this, like a comedy drama. Yes. The president of Potato Prices, and in response, he angered some local thugs, including a man named Antonio Esposito, who was also a former partner. In 1955, Esposito hired a hitman to kill him. In a bing a bang, bing a boom, Simonotti was dead. But the young widow wasn't taking this lying down. She was carrying a child distraught, and she handled her grief with violence, according to her court statements. Honey. (laughs) Somebody better make a movie out of this. Petito had fun coming to threaten her as well, and she had no choice but to take her protection in her own hands. Wow. Besides, the cops were ineffectual. She enlisted her younger brother to help her take down the man who threatened to destroy her life as she did it. Now I'm waiting to see how this happened. So when Esposito showed up at, <laughs> at Pascal's gravesite, Maresca took vengeance in her own hands. She and her brother, Ciro, tracked down the man with both hands. Oh, Lord. On the guns. And she fired 29 shots into the fight in broad daylight. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she became a, a, a papita, which means little doll. I just love she it. She became an immediate media sensation during her 1959 trial. And the young beauty captivated the public imagine and earned herself a moment because she was the diva of crime. 
She also painted a sympathetic portrayal. She was heavily pregnant when she committed the murder after all. Oh, God. oh this this has got to Frank be made to movie. Would you would you somebody you needs to make a movie? This. Somebody needs to make a movie out of this. Yeah, anybody okay. out there, let's throw it at the university. <laughs> Lady Please. Gaga as this as this woman. Now, if it was this movie would have been made like twenty like thirty years ago, I'd say share, but Lady Gaga yeah. has got to play this. Because Cher could have done this. And she declared that she was just getting justice for her late husband. And she even publicly stated she wasn't repentant, claiming she killed, she had killed oh. Esposito all oh. over again. Or if they don't want to get Lady Gaga, they could get Demi Lovato. Oh, that's a good thing. That's a good Demi could do this. They could do make her up. So she said, I kill her for love, but I also because they want to kill me. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? I wouldn't even mind seeing Ariana Grande do this. Yeah, she's gonna play, um, and she's gonna do Wicked. Oh, she is. She's gonna do Wicked, and I forget who it is that's gonna play Glenda. I think it's um. No, I think Ariana Grande is playing Glenda, and. Yeah. But we need this movie yeah, of Pepita. We need this. We need this, this they, they just need to call it Pepita. This movie has to. The be... name needs to just be Pepita. No, I still Pepita. think it has to be Lady Gaga. And it's, uh, this but the movie... name of the name of the movie Pepita. Let's leave this it. This movie. So she even publicly stated that she would kill him all over again. I kill her for love because they want to kill me. <laughs> and she told the court. And if my husband coming back to life, they kill him again. I would do the same thing. So the court erupted in applause and she became an instant celebrity as she went off to prison. So she gave birth to a boy. The boy was named Pascalito or Little Pascal after her late husband. And the jury ultimately didn't buy her excuse of self-defense. And she received 14 years in jail. Wow. But then when she got out of jail, she became a mafia boss. Love and it. received... Uh, she received a decade and a half in jail. Pupita only served a few years. While in the slammer, she received regal treatment as a woman of honor. Which meant she got the best bed sheets and her cock could even advocate for some other principles, much like God <laughs> 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 oh, she was a very charismatic woman. She raised her son inside a few years until her mother took him home. She raised him her son in prison. And however, she never stopped working for the Camaro and indeed the press dubbed her Madame Camara and a Camara widow, glamorous beauty Pupita, and was even serenaded in song. And she also starred in a sixties flick loosely based on herself. Wait, we gotta go find this. Oh, fuck. They needed a remake of it all, but yeah, yeah, we gotta go find it. So not long after she got out of jail, she linked up with another Camaro Killer this time a man named Umberto... Umberto Amaturo. A gun and drugs runner, and Umberto was dangerous business, so he treated her like the lady of luxury in the beginning, and the two became liberal partners in crime, even having twins together. Oh, not only did they kill people, they gave birth to twins. This so is Amarita too unreal. was perhaps every bit as bad, if not worse, than I know we're taking a long time this obit, but it's so entertaining, y'all. And then he wrote a book called <laughs> Blood Brothers, A History of Italy's Three Mafias of Italian Culture, John D. And enjoy. Thanks to our Roz, it's an easy, interactive website to see what has been put on the internet. And after a long wait, finally, we got the Gentilly Lace line of candles live. We have wonderful scents for any household or just for the season. Also, be on the lookout for our Christmas and New Year's holiday candles. And guess what? Our seasonal candles will have something a little special in them. 
a little out of the ordinary, but we have put charms in the candles. From King Cake Babies for Mardi Gras to Champagne Flutes for New Year's. So look out for our website, BarryMarinosCraftCreations.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-M-A-R-I-N-O-C-R-A-F-T-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S.com. Hey, do you have a podcast or maybe you're just thinking about starting a podcast? Well, I am Chris from Podcastic Audio, and here I show you tips and tricks on how to make your audio sound the best it possibly can with the gear you already have. With two years of experience on the Chris and Christine show creating the finest audio I possibly can make, I will show you the tips and tricks I have used on that show to make the audio sound fantastic. So if you have any podcast-related questions to your audio, you always can email me at podcasticaudio at gmail.com like this guy here did. His name is Joe. Joe writes in from the cast. Hey Chris, when we all sit down together to record our episode, our audio is too low and it has a lot of echo in the recording. How do we make our show sound better? Well, Joe, is the microphone you're using rhyme with the name Betty? And is that microphone in the same room with you? I'd start with that stuff first. And for more podtastic audio information, you can go to anchor.fm slash podtastic audio, and you keep on making your amazing podcast. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're back with our main story today, which is a sad one, really. And it's uh, about the death of uh, Lisa Lamb. Um, Elisa Lamb was a uh, young woman from, from uh, British Vancouver, British Columbia, she was um, she was born on April thirtieth, nineteen ninety one, and she was uh, one of like how many children? And she was a student at the University of Columbia, but she was taking a little time off. And her family was very overprotective because she had some really sort of awkward social skills, didn't she? You know? Yeah, like yeah. she she didn't wasn't used to. And she didn't have a lot of friends. She wasn't very. Uh, very sociable she didn't you know she and a lot of her 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 life was on social media yes very yeah, yeah. big on social media especially the uh, the, the app tumblr yeah, that was tumblr, her yeah. that was the one she liked you know i had people like facebook some of them like twitter I, my personal stuff is always on facebook the podcast has a big twitter presence we bit we, we developed a more of a facebook presence now Instagram is hard for me to get into. You have a, you guys into Instagram? I'm into Instagram. I like Instagram. Barry, it seems like just a bunch of pictures. Barry, Barry, you are Mr. Social Media compared to me. <laughs> You're older than me, but you are Mr. Social Media. I am like the opposite. I, I'm kind of there on social media, but I can become like a ghost on the internet if I need but to. But that's how I, yeah, but that's how I promote the podcast. You know, that's why we have so many followers on Twitter. Well, no, I mean, I'm, definitely, I'm glad you didn't make it, me you know? the social media coordinator. I may no, be a good no, organizer for the production, but not a good social media person. I probably so. post about five. Five, you know, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So Elisa uh, was went, decided to take a semester off of, uh, from college and kind of tour parts of the United States. She more or less toured the West Coast. And she went to different cities in California, but she wound up in L.A. She wound up at a, host, a hotel 
that was called Stay on the Main, which was part of a bigger hotel called the Cecil Hotel. Now, this place is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Lots of different little things happen here. It was built in 1924. It opened in 1924. And uh, it was originally opened as a, as a place that was supposed to be like a show place, like a really higher class hotel. But the problem that happened with that is, what happened, Philip? You know what happened. The Great Depression came. Yeah. Ruined. And it turned the area where the hotel was into what they call Skid Row, which is where there's a lot of homeless people and they have the homeless tents and everything out there now. And so it's become like a two-star hotel. Mm. And um, well, it never really recovered from the Great well, Depression. And, well, 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 that first part was Great Depression. And so you'll go through from about the 30s all the way through the 70s, that really just allowed the area just became sort of run down. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know what happened in the goddamn 80s. What happened? That's where the... Dallas. Crack was put into the neighborhood. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Amongst the other drugs and things. that, And so, and you even have a couple on, on the documentary, on the, you have a couple of residents from that time that says the 80s is when it became a really, really... Well, it is when it started off. I never even saw and I, and a that's crack not, pipe. And that's not to say they didn't have heroin and all the other things in the 70s and stuff and all those and the cocaine and all. But in the 80s, the emergence of crack cocaine actually formed Skid Row into what we know of as today. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. And this girl, she, she didn't know. No. And she, she stayed there. Now, what they did with this hotel... They were trying to, the Cecil, lots of really strange things happened there. Who was a woman that, one woman uh, got into a fight with her husband. Right, She yeah. was going to kill herself and she jumped out the window. And she killed and a pedestrian. fell on a pedestrian. <laughs> on the sidewalk. On so, sidewalk. yeah. So, she Death doesn't know that she took an innocent person with her, too. <laughs> it's so and, uh, and then she, uh, and then there was another woman. When did that happen with what the was woman? The, what the was pigeon lady. Oh, the pigeon, pigeon lady, lady. Yeah. yeah. Poor the pigeon, pigeon lady. lady. She was known for feeding the pigeons, and one day she they found her in her room because they also did Somebody had weekly raids. Residential, and yeah. Seven, and she was raped her. and murdered and brutally murdered. This was 1965. It wasn't originally someone who was she was trying to. She was like an aspiring actress or performer or something. Like she was hoping, but it well, didn't they say the black dahlia, but that's not true. She never. No, was but wasn't the pigeon there. lady trying to? Uh, well, I think she was. But someone it didn't. She didn't get the success. She, she wait, wait. She was. Um, I'm looking for it here on Wikipedia. Yeah, the first the first suicide happened on January 22nd, 1927, when a man named Percy Arman, who was 52, and he shot himself in the head inside the hotel after failing to reconcile with his wife. And then there was um. They they claimed that Elizabeth Short had been there, but that's been Elizabeth disproved. Yeah. In 1964, when a retired telemarketer named Pigeon Goldie Osgood who had been a well-known, well-liked, long-term resident of, of the hotel, was found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, beaten. It was horrible. And her room was, ran, was ran, uh, ransacked. And a man named Jacques Hellinger was charged with a murder, but because he was seen covered in blood in the streets close to the hotel, but later was cleared as a suspect. And they ran, 
A murder still yeah, unsolved. Blood that was. And in the eighties, they had another somewhat notable infamous Ooh, yes. guest. We actually did. We actually covered him. Yes, mm-hmm. Richard Ramirez. Yes, the Night Stalker. The Night Stalker. And some of the hotels said that he would be like in his underwear, <laughs> all full of blood after he had come just come from a kill. Yeah, and they'd have his foot, his bare footprints in the blood. That sounds really creepy. Now you, I think you had posted there was also wasn't there one? Wasn't it at the Cecil back in the forties? Wasn't there a woman who had? Yeah, giving birth or whatever, and she threw her. And she threw the baby yeah, yeah, out yeah. the window. Yeah. Yes, oh, awful. Now, and they had some horrific things. And that's a terrible. Thing. And this is layers upon layers of death. Now, later, after Ramirez in 1991, a man by the name of Jack Underweger, Underweger, from Austria, he stayed at the Cecil, wanting to copy Ramirez's crimes. He pretended to right. be a reporter. That was covering the the you know the night stalker wanted to stay there, but actually he wanted to ki- he was a serial killer himself. Oh yeah, he, he did killed Austria least, as well. Yeah, he strangled and killed at least three sex workers. And um, in, in Austria, and he went there to to murder people. And then there's a lot of sex workers in that na- right, neighborhood. Right. You mean a hotel, though? In a, in, in a hotel, in the neighborhood, everywhere in the skid room. Oh, yeah, well, the hotel was known for having prostitutes. And uh, it was in two, right. 2013 that they rebranded it Stay on the Main and made it like two hotels. And you had, they had the Stay on the Main fixed up to look kind of nice, where the unsuspecting people like Elisa Lamb would right. check in. Right. And then they had the Cecil with all the residents, but... Unfortunately, everybody shared the same, same hotel. Elevator. Yeah, it was because okay, yeah, if you remember the, yeah, the same elevator, elevator, yeah. So there was two separate entrances: one for Stalemain, one for Cecil, to enter the hotel. Yeah. Now the floors, the way they set it up, was I think it was like wasn't it like there was like the third, fourth, fifth floor or something like right. that was the stay on Main. Yeah. And everything above was the residence hotel, all the floors above. But they didn't get new elevators for the stay on Main, which no. they should have done. I guess they, it was too much the cost. So, well, it was a shared elevator because of whatever, because it, it, was, was, it was already there. They were only using those floors, so you'd go, you'd have to turn from that lobby or the other lobby, you'd still go to the same yeah, elevator yeah, bank. Right. To go up to whatever, whether no matter what hotel you're at, so it practically is the same hotel. Yeah, yeah. they were trying to keep it separate. You know, the the, the normal. Well, and the whole part is they were trying to become this part of what they were hoping to do was they were trying to start off this thing of where they could get to these younger, more hip people to come stay there, and maybe it would increase the property value. Like the hipsters in the American And this this really was, and and if you look at the beginning, like right after the great, like this would've been 2013, so there's still, you know, prices on things, stuff was going on, but things were starting to turn around. But the Great Recession, and. 2008, a lot of these downtown areas were getting really looked at to say, you know, hey, can you know, in the years afterwards, who were buying up, looking to develop, what could they turn them into? Of course, nobody was really doing anything right in 2008, but by 2013, you know, economy was starting to bounce back. People were looking at real estates, and downtown Los Angeles, around the Skid Row area, started to look like prime real estate for gentrification. Yeah, right, right. Not saying that's a good or bad thing, but so what are you doing? You're mixing, you're trying to mix 
<coughs> either well-to-do or other people with, or even just even middle-class people with this the, twisted this, kind of this unrelated yeah, yeah. city people that clearly need help. Right. And you you got a recipe for disaster sitting here, you know. And it's like if you should have done something, you should have found homes for the people first. Yeah. Back in the 70s, remember, they, they pretty much had police there to keep those people in that area. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, so, so, so the government, yeah. To be there. The government never does the right thing. Right. Like you know, it's a funny thing they're doing, too, is like after Hurricane Katrina here in New Orleans. Oh, there, there's some of this going on the, here. They took the projects and turned them into like condominiums and everything, calling them mixed income stuff. Right, right. And then they, they, they threw out, they pretty much put all the people from the projects to New Orleans East. We have the same thing going on. You've seen some of these run-down hotels have all been renovated, and they're right near the interstate where there's the homeless camps here. Right. But nobody's truly addressing to find the homeless, actual, like, decent homes, decent... No, no. Nobody's no, addressing that. So, we're, yeah, we're having the same thing we notice here in downtown New Orleans. Well, you look at what they're doing now in New Orleans East. Now they're going to try to gentrify New Orleans East. The old Six Flags is going to become a right. water park I heard about and an amusement park now. So, you know, I knew something was up when the on the Sheffman to a highway, that family inn became a Ramada. No, right, right, okay, right. Okay, no, no. Now the, now the water the park, I will say, it. no, no, okay. The thing out there, the water park and all, that the, the actual community did, that is what they wanted. Yeah. So they actually did give they them like what they wanted. But they are trying to get, but what the, the ones that it's, it's going to, or like the hookers and the drug addicts on Chef Highway. They got to move them somewhere. God knows where they're going to send them. Metairie. <laughs> Chalmette. <laughs> no, they're already yeah, there, a logical actually. place to go. Oh, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, that's a gentrification thing. And this is happening in all kinds of cities. So Los it's Angeles, happened in every... It's yeah. happened on the south side of Chicago. But Los Angeles is one of the worst. Give Which anybody room. who's listening that's not from New Orleans... New Orleans East is probably our equivalent to the south side of Chicago. Right. I would say right now, yeah. And it yeah. started off as almost a suburb. But the suburbs are getting to be slummy areas, and the city is getting to be... The New York City went through that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, like Harlem and everything in Manhattan now is prime real estate. But is and, gentrification good? No, because it doesn't really solve all the problems. Like, no, it, it just, just it just moves, moves people it around. It moves causes it more else. pain, more hurt. Yeah, and moves it somewhere else and, and yeah. makes less affordable housing. But anyway, we gotta get back to Lisa. Yeah. So uh, Lisa, after after January thirty first, nobody hears anything from her. She is just gone, gone, vanished, and vanished. No trace of her anywhere. So they're looking for her. They check in all the hotel security cameras and all, and they find the video of her mm -hmm. in the elevator, and she's doing something really strange. Do you remember? Did, did you oh, with her hands and going she's in and out. She, and out she gets in and she pushes all kind of behavior, yeah. And yeah. then she's hiding, like somebody's chasing her. Mm -hmm. And then she goes out, and it looks like she's talking to somebody with her hands, and then she gets back in the elevator. And you know what's the strangest thing about the whole video? The elevator door doesn't close once. Usually, as soon as you hit a button, the door closes. It shuts. It shuts. But it stays open for like, what, 10 minutes? Well, they don't really know because the, the time on it was all messed yeah, up. Yeah, the time's all messed up, and they said the video may have been tampered with, too. 
But then there's one point where she moves backwards, but she's off camera, but you can still kind of see her shoe. And then she comes in, she gets back in the in the elevator. And then she looks out and she looks like she's facing somebody and talking to him. And the way she's doing these hand movements, it's really these strange hand movements. So I don't know what that means. Well, that, that's where they claimed the video possibly was also slowed down. So those hand movements might have actually then, been much faster. What is she seeing? It almost she looks like to? she's afraid of whoever she's speaking to. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously frightened the whole time in that elevator. And then she just disappears and we don't see her anymore. It's the last time she's ever seen yep. alive. So they're searching and searching 19 days later. On February 19th, 2013, uh, some people were complaining about the water. Yeah, it was, it was sour. It was really bad, bad smell. And when you first turned it on, it was brown. So they get the man, the, one, of the, one of the workers, one of the janitors, to go up to the water tower to see what's wrong, and there's Elisa's body floating on the top, nude. In the cistern, yeah. In the water tower. Face up. Face, Face up, up, which is like odd. she fell backwards and she was thrown in. And um, they had to actually drain the cistern and like cut, out cut it open yeah. to get her out because they could. What was really strange about it is, is when he went up there, the, the lid was closed. So there wasn't a way she could have closed that lid herself. They even said that even getting up there with the with the, with the stairs that you had to squeeze through to get into where yeah. the where the lid would have been. The pipes you had to squeeze in between these pipes. I mean, it's just weird. And it's it's just so um, no one knows exactly what happened to this girl, and neither do I. And I can't say that I do. I mean, I have. Some ideas and some theories, but then again, I'm thinking, oh no. But I really and truly don't buy the fact what they ultimately um, um, decided was that she was bipolar. They said that she had taken her meds, the medication she had, when they did the autopsy. And how could they tell with a body having been in the water for 19 days what was in her system or anything? And I have a feeling the hotel, I'll just throw that out right now. I think the hotel, if you watch that documentary and listen to some of those hotel workers all, you can see they were still trying to cover up shit. And I'll tell oh, you that what. manager. I'm, oh, her? Yeah. woman. I already know who they should ever get to play if they want to totally reenact <laughs> this whole thing. No, uh, they could get, what is it, uh, Jamie Priestley, whatever now? <laughs> <laughs> she would have to look for it. They could totally do her with that. Just, just, just frizz out the hair Well, she looks like she's just really like, oh, it's not the hotel's fault. Blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe it's not the hotel's fault. She really fault. wants to cover herself. But my whole thing was, is like, yeah, she's trying to cover her own career, but I think she was trying to cover for the hotel. She didn't work there anymore. She was trying to cover for the hotel at the time. Because to help, I think she was trying to help for the sale to... Oh, I see. So, I, yeah. They were trying to up the property value at the time. Well, she was, was the one who did the, the, the stay on main thing. And clearly, clearly, I still think there was an issue. They, she tried to claim that I ain't no way Elisa Lamb took that fire escape and went up that way. Uh -huh. She's trying to claim that that door was locked on the, on the main stair, stairs up to the roof. Uh-huh. It was not. That door did not have, the alarm was not working. The alarm was not working. The locked alarm, it was unlocked and the alarm 
nobody tended to that. So she could have wandered up there. Yeah, they try to claim that they had it where an alarm would they go got off, off and all right. this. They had people that proved went in there, have footage that proved some other residents went right in. So there's a lot of negligence room. here. And they trying to cover up so they didn't get fucking sued. But still, it's odd though because you know to get to the spot she would have had to be in, it would have been very very difficult. And somebody she murdered her. And, and, and I don't think the murdered. hotel staff are part of anything per se the nefarious part that happened right. to her but were they a part of the cover-up because they yes. were worried about about this affecting all of what they might have been trying to pump into either and you the property know value we're talking lapd here not exactly the <laughs> right. most the, the, you know, oh that was that, another factor yeah right. the, the lapd is not the most scrupulous police department in it. i think lapd ny um PD and NOPD are probably the three most corrupt <laughs> police departments in America. But really, did they really want to waste their time or resources truly with... Only when they got put pressure on by the internet and media did they really care. Because if there was not pressure put on this, they would have done nothing. Because they would have thought, oh, this is in Skid Row area, this is Cease Hotel, big yeah. deal, whatever. Just sweep another road. But the factor, you're right, this goes back to the social media factor you brought up of Elisa Lamb. So many other people died and they didn't care one bit no. at the Cease Hotel. But it was the factor that she was on social media and it shows in the social media age how that can get taken and connected with regular media and blow a story but up in a way. Many of people can see also it. The, um, the, all the internet sleuths. I guess that's us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess we that. Although they were a little that's messy. They were totally. Never that is them, us man. too. We got to admit we are. We are. Sleuths. We are. <laughs> but, uh, um... I think that um, people came up with some of these wild. Like, well, one of them they were comparing her death to the 2002 horror film Dark Water. I don't understand how that can connect. Because of I the water, they're trying to pull with the, the little water. girl ones. Up well, in then the they had that one kid. guy, the the guy from Mexico, that was a that the, was, was a, they've really ruined and he was his even life. there. Oh, was that that, that metal that, guy, yeah. yeah. And that, because he looked different. That is know. what really annoyed me with the people on the internet, the way they treated that guy. Is okay, if he anybody that's into like a darker goth, dark metal kind of thing, they're gonna write stuff about death. They're gonna write things about stuff. So they were making a really inferred stretch trying to connect this guy to her death when right. he wasn't yeah, even at the hotel. There. He, he was in Mexico time. at the time. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just somebody sent me something on Facebook that there's some kind of. It looks like there's some kind of update on. The so if we have any listeners case. out there that are internet sleuths, you know, at least at least put one and one together. Do the proper math. Simmer down. Exactly. Simmer down and do the right Logic, math. Logic, please. Do the correct research. Well, I just got have a, it peer reviewed before you go. I, I just got an alert that there's some kind of break in the Brian Laundry case, but we're going to deal with that in the next episode. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, I want to find. I'm, I'll, I'll be when we. Oh yeah, we all we got to find. We kind of eager to find out what. Yeah, we got we got focus on this. Tonight. But right now, let's 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 continue. Okay, I have one that you guys have have uh, theories 
about the yellow days or video and I want to, Michael I want you to talk about what you think yes well there's about. a there's a paranormal game they call it a game it's called the elevator game and you get on an elevator at the the hotel has to have more at least 10 floors and you press a series of buttons and it's supposed to take you up and down and then at one point in the game uh, an Asian lady steps onto the elevator and she tries to get you to step off and you know they say she's a demon people have different theories about it but then she gets off you go all the way up to the 10th floor and when you step off you're in another dimension that looks like our dimension but it's completely different in certain ways and then it kind of makes sense though because maybe maybe what one person her doppelganger, if you will, in that place got put back, and maybe that's how the body got into the cistern. I just thought it was very interesting how they said how difficult it would have been for her to get into that cistern herself. I know that part just still doesn't. The whole yeah, water thing, still water how she theory. got into there is still, and the, the lid was heavy. How she it, couldn't have closed it behind her. She's in the water. First of all, I, I heard this on another podcast. She's in the water. She doesn't have any bottom, like where her, you know, her feet aren't touching anything. She, she's in. How would she jump down? I mean, she was, uh, yeah, but. It, I think she was transported She was a little bitty, bitty thing. She was a little petite girl. Because water is a great conductor of energy and spiritual energy, especially. But she's just, uh, it, it, it's, that's baffling. I really and truly don't know. I don't believe the. Um, now, um, See, I, I think there's, a, I I think the there's also there's thing. a possibility of a, which you might be able to help me with this. I believe there is a maybe a possibility of a psychological, psychic thing going on, which is the factor of I think that there's a possibility within the space because the Cecil has so much death, so many spirits. There may be spirits that could actually work off, draw things to themselves, mm-hmm. draw certain people, certain energies, desperation, used, used it, yeah. and can actually influence, which is why... Which her, her mental Which, uh, with her, with issues. the bipolar, with the illness she had, was very easy and for them to draw say, her yeah. to them. Well, people you can from, confirm, but, you yeah, know what I'm I mean, talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I people mean, who suffer from if, mental illnesses are very, very easily manipulated. Okay, but see the thing is that not, not on her body there was no marks at all, and no that, marks. And that's what makes me think it could not have been a living. Person. That's what I'm thinking. Well, too. that's what they were saying. And, and that's what I was trying to. Mm-hmm. Could there right. have been an entity that it influenced her or did at something? least two or, or three it, people? It could be more than just a, like like with the hotel uh, with the hotel the H. Um, the uh, uh, American Horror Cort- Story. Yeah, the Cortez Hotel. All those spirits. Which, by the, the way, the Cortez Hotel is based on the yep. So it's like, I mean, that's oh, kind of crazy. Oh, did you see something like, if you look at the emblem, like for the Hotel Cortez and look at the Cecil Hotel emblem, like the old one oh, stuff, yeah. there's a kind of, so he so took, similar, yeah. and, the, and just the way it was done, there was definitely that, inspiration. That, that well, we sign on the, on the side. Spirits influence the living. You know, we may not believe it, we may not know it's happening, but I do believe that spirits do influence the living. And in her wicked state, there was something else going on. She was having, she was off her meds for sure. And, and I think the hotel is just, the idea is they don't want anybody conveying anything or extrapolating on what could have been. And I think I think the whole point was just to sweep it all under. It seemed like that. It seemed like that in the documentary that they were just like, uh, this is what it is, and that's it. And I think the fact is they got the attention they weren't expecting because they have all these people that descend it thinking, oh, babe, maybe it's paranormal things, right. maybe it's true crime thing, maybe it's this. And they didn't want that type of clientele. 
Why not? Ghost hunt. Hello. Well, <laughs> if it brings your money, money in, it right. brings your money in. <laughs> I mean, but I think they were trying to be picky and they wanted to be part of that gentrification right. process. And they, they were hoping hotel. to sell the hotel at a much, either if they kept it, be able to put rooms at a much higher price down the sure. road. Sure. And they were always looking for a way, if you listened carefully to that hotel manager, they were bound to have to keep some of the residents because of local laws, but they were looking every which way to get, get that rid, number down right. and get rid of those people. 700 rooms, right? Something 700 like rooms, yes. right. Yes. Now the hotel, it was, it, it, this is uh, in, in 2014, it was sold to New York City ho uh, hotelier Richard Bourne for 30 million. And then another New York-based frame, the Simon Barron Development, they acquired a 99-year lease on the property. In 2016, Matt Barron, president of Simon Barron, said that he was committed to the preservation, and it's a, it's a, they can't tear it down or anything because it's a historical landmark. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, but it was closed in 1917 to, to renovate, you know, as you said, like gentrification going on. Mm -hmm. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the renovation was suspended indefinitely, so it's still sitting kind of rotting now. Have you read some of the reviews of the hotel? No. Oh, oh, they were good. They were right. The were great. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. What is it on Yelp? Uh, no, it was, it was Google. It's like, but they only got a 3.1. I got two. <laughs> 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 Breakfast consists of waffles, coffee, and tea, and orange juice, and fountain drinks, and cereal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, they got some good reviews. I don't know. The whole thing about her vanishing and all that, it just, it's great. All that whole thing with the elevator, it's just weird. And then all not being able to see those numbers, you know, and, and when we can't collect evidence of hauntings, sometimes the, the video will jump yeah. or you'll lose time in between. Yeah. And it does not stop recording. Yeah. But, and I really, but I really did hate that they. In the documentary, you see that these hotel workers and, the, and even the authorities and all try to really cop out and put it all on her mental health. And I'm not saying that her mental health wasn't a factor. A factor, right, but yeah. Could, but something yeah. doesn't add up to me. I was like, okay, yes, was her mental health a factor? Yes. Sure. But that's still part of psychic energy, and psychological energy is psychic energy. So I'm wondering what other influences were involved, and I guess... Based off of the documentary, you're not going to get that information. No. I mean, it would take maybe if they ever opened again, me and you might have to go yeah, over there and take a trip with, with Barry and we do a... <laughs> well, well, we got always stay with our friend and his boyfriend and if they got room. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm just teasing. But it just seems like um, the cisterns and, and water is a very... That's a very spiritual thing especially like in voodoo and stuff oh no water yeah. the element water, water is it's, it's why i tell you i wonder why new orleans has so many spirits so we have a river we have a lake we have right. swamps we have water everywhere we're almost an island yes we are actually yes, and that's yes. why we're so powerful is because in flowing river because we're at the bottom of a river we take all the energy like literally the mississippi river for all of north america that literally holds the soul and so new orleans has the last huge city on the river we hold the soul of america so i have some questions for you guys i want to discuss the documentary called uh, crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel um how do you feel about how they just 
you know, they, they brought us through this whole... I saw one review where they said they were a true crime documentary in, in search of a crime. Because they brought us through all these things, and then at the end, they kiss us off with, oh, she was crazy and jumped in the water. So. Yeah, I think it was And I had, uh, I, I thought that that was a cop-out. Mm. I really did. I don't know if the documentary copped out, or if it was actually my book. It was more the authorities and the hotel right. people were. The, were we were so it really made them from. look. It, it, I, don't, I don't think the, doc, the documentary. I think the documentary left you questioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it presented these other people as copping out the, the person I did not there was something about that woman who had been the manager oh my god I her, just did oh. not trust you ever heard of the I always heard these country she people looked, say I, that when somebody has the eyes of a goat that they have that they're soulless she you know she what you had the eyes of a goat you you gonna hate me for what I'm about to say, Barry. <laughs> I feel like she's Not a black film. She's a washed up <laughs> actress that tried to go become a real estate agent, became washed up in that, and then became a hotel desk clerk. That's what. Well, that's that's, that's, that's that Los Angeles in a nut job, maybe she right? Maybe something paranormal is going on there, and she just. Like, I think she knows shit, like and she was covering it up because somebody told her she could clean up whatever, do whatever. They would pay her well. She's covering her ass yeah. too because now she left there, and she's probably trying to work at some other hotel now and so she's just covering her career and her ass but all the suicides I remember that list of suicides it was just on and on but people suicides. go to hotels people go to hotels to kill themselves though well, there is an abnormal yeah, amount. Yeah, the murders and I like the amount of murders, the, the murders, and the way violence. it is, and these and the type of people it attracts, like Richard Ramirez and, the, and that crazy. other guy. The other serial. I think there wasn't. Austria. There was like no room where you could say someone hadn't died. There was every room somebody Even had died. Oh, yeah, the that. woman that we were talking about herself said in the ten years she was there, there were eighty deaths. Yeah. Wow. That's even high for a hotel, for any hotel. But, I mean, I, mean, I know yeah. that's happened in hotels and motels well, all the time. I got to admit, though, of all the people I interviewed, I still go back to her. She was a mess, and oh, oh, the maintenance guy. Oh yeah. Oh, the one who didn't speak English? Well, they had him, like, they probably had him trained not to, you know. Well, we got the subtitles. <laughs> That's how we knew what he was I saying. Think that was but sweet. there was something shady with him, and he, I, he was right in with her as covering up stuff. Well, yeah, of course he was. And the cops, too. Oh, yeah. And it was all because somebody was greasing their palm trying to get that property value up. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about getting the fire. And, uh, and, and in the, the um, in the, you know. And they didn't care whether that. This, well, this girl was just collateral damage to them. The, she was a collateral damage. The, the, the musician guy in Mexico, right. he was collateral damage. They and probably I, started that shit on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes I know, you know, the internet is our fuel for, for this show, for this podcast. But it's also a double-edged sword, and it also attracts some of the crazies with the crazy conspiracy theories and people listen to these things and hear these things and read this stuff and they believe it i mean look at pizzagate they believe that crap the guy even went there trying to going to kill the pedophiles oh i know you know i mean it's going on you know people are stupid there are a lot of stupid people out there it's scary actually that's funny because that particular subject matter is covered in Halloween Kills. Really? The mob mentality yep. and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, I can't tell you what happens, but it, it's covered and it's 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 addressed. It just seems like she seemed like a really nice person. She was very sheltered, like we talked about, and I just think that something just got a hold of her, you know, and just. Well, it's funny too because she would be ripe for a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. I can understand why her parents didn't like her being there, why they wanted her to keep, you know, and she was 21. They couldn't tell her she couldn't do it. She was an adult. And you've got to put the cultural significance in there for a mm-hmm. moment. She is a young Asian American woman, mm-hmm. okay? And her parents were from China. First generation. Yeah. So Only they, Hong they Kong, came yeah. over to Canada. That's where yeah. she was in British Columbia, Canada. So she is, you know, that she's basically that the first generation born right. here in in North the America. Chinese have a lot of spirits over there. Well, the thing the thing culturally is, and this you look back over the last century and a half centuries, the West has not been very kind to those in the East. You know That's what I'm saying? True. We we've even seen oh, recently yeah. during what has happened with the pandemic in the pandemic mm-hmm. targets, but before the pandemic. A lot of times, and, and it's had to say actually in California specifically, there was a mentality in a lot of those small Western towns and all that they would, when there was an Asian woman, she was sexualized, seen, yeah, yeah. seen as a prostitute, things, and that was not right. There's something we forgot to cover. Here. That was, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to finish this whole point. Finish this, I got and, and the thing is, and, and, and to say this, that is part of the history, and I hate to say that's part of the history of California, of the treatment of Chinese people. And then in America, there was the idea of, now I know she's from Canada, but in America, there was the idea of the Chinese Exclusion Act and things. You right. know, so Chinese were always looked at in American history and from the early part, not in a way that was good. Well, here in New Orleans, we had two Chinatowns at one point in time. So her being a young Asian woman, she really did, should have thought more about her safety. Well, this is another thing, too. We had, um, when she first checked into the hotel, she was in in like a dorm type room with some roommates. Mm -hmm. And the roommates were complaining about her certain odd behavior. So the hotel moved it to a room of her own. Oh. You remember that? Yeah, I which, remember that. which it's also, that part got me. I'm glad you bring that up. That goes back to the psychology part. If you clearly knew something was going see, this is where nowadays people don't want to have any responsibility of anything no. or help anybody out. No. I, it's, it all, you know, we, we were starting to see that in the world. With uh, what's what's one, the woman's name that was murdered in New York, and all those people uh, witnessed it. Kitty, um, I got. I'm gonna have to look this up. Anyway, um, people, uh, I don't want to get involved. Uh, type of. Uh, it's a bad. It's a bad thing to have. Kitty Genovese, yeah, uh, she was a woman, young woman who was murdered, stabbed to death outside of her apartment building in Queens. And all her neighbors watched it from the saw, saw it from their windows, and no one called the police or mm-hmm. anything. And, and I and think this was in 1964, that, and that's when that kind of stuff was beginning to start. So you're right. This goes back to something we've been talking about on several episodes in this podcast. America and the world, but specifically America, needs to do a better job of how we handle mental health because they showed in that toxicology report that she 
had a little bit of her med in there, but it wasn't where it should have been. So she was not, okay, she is in some kind of psychological distress. And see, people just like, oh, we we don't want to think about mental health. You want to know why? People don't want to think about mental health because it means they'd have to admit what's going on with them as well. Well, it's a stigma. It's it's the stigma. And if we do not get rid of that stigma, we're going to see more vanishings. We're going to see more deaths. We're going to see more Elisa Lamb. Families are very... Like I told you about my uncle in the previous episode. My uncle, which I now that I see from his behavior was erratic, I think he was bipolar. And, I'm not, and we've had other... I've had cousins and other relatives... Even and an aunt that I think is bipolar. You know, you know somebody that's bipolar. And um, this man, he would be one minute you'd see him one day and he'd be hugging on you and loving you and nice and everything, and then you see the next day he was cussing you out. And he, they were ashamed of him. The family, his brothers and sisters, they used to tell people he was shell shocked in the war. Nobody got this man any help. This man, uh, he, he um, I don't know, he, I, I really and truly wish I knew what I knew now about mental health, because I would have tried to get him help. But everybody would avoid him, and everybody would make fun of him. And when I look today, his behavior was very, very consistent with bipolar disorder. And I think, uh, but I think it's more. But they would, now they, they would tell me he was shell shocked in the war. You know, they weren't. They were so ashamed of him. It was a shame. And I think there were a lot of layers in this case to Lisa Lamb's death. I mean, I'm not saying her psychology is That's a part a of it. Giant right. onion. I think there's, par- <laughs> right. I think there's a paranormal factor to it. Mm-hmm. There's also psychological. There's a societal factor because one of the things is I think she was. T- seriously terrified for good reason she even had on some of the things she was writing on the tumblr you remember where she said she'd go out and she was talking about the creeper guys yeah. I hate to say there is an element there specifically and I hate to say it I mean we can bring it however but there are especially I'm not going to say you may hate me for saying this but there is an element say with certain people that don't realize the power they have which sometimes being straight white men yeah well, you were and they, about, they view her, and they really does seem creepers. You were so. talking about the Asian prejudice. Maybe those girls in that room just didn't want her there because she was Asian. And that may and there may have been something going it on. It could have just been just plain good old-fashioned or, racism. Or it was psychological stigma. They weren't recognizing she had a problem, and in word, they made her feel worse right. about it. Instead of seeking to say, hey, let me try to get you. And nobody realizes this is somebody's daughter, somebody's sister, somebody, you know. Yeah. Somebody, you know, so exactly. People that. love this girl. I mean, y'all hear me on here and y'all think, oh, wow. Like, some people think, oh, he's really good. He's confident. If you meet me out in public, you're going to see a very different person. I do not do all the crowds. I don't always want to. I That's why at the convention you'll just sit behind the desk while I take selfies with the fans. <laughs> I, I, I may warm up to select people. Feel privileged <laughs> if I take a no. I, 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 I will just actually what I will do is I will take several of my gummies that day, <laughs> so I can have a real dumbass smile on my face. I could, I, I could spike. I could spike your coat. You uh, no, 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 don't, don't spike nothing. I'm just gonna take some extra okay. gummies. No Xanax. Extra gummies. No, Xanax. no. No, we already had chemical problems with, with so anyway, that, that class of drugs. So the hotel's closed now, so who knows what's going to happen in the future of this place. And, you know, well, I don't know what... 
if at least a lamb turns up alive somewhere, I think you're. Yeah, but the <laughs> yeah. elevator theory might be true. I mean, you know, it seems and, weird. And no, because they already got what came in. So no, if your theory works, if in my idea of physics, then there's no way. Well, according yeah. but according to the um, according to the game, that you can stay. Or stay in the elevator, not go into the world, or if you go into it, well, to go back, you have to go back here. down. You have to press the and reverse of numbers. So then, what happens with the body that they recovered? That would have to go back, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. Well, no, that body's already no, been autopsied really and something. Something with that theory is like I, I love the you treat me by the theory, but I'm trying to figure out the physics behind it because metaphysics and stuff like so, that is still oh, physics. Right. So I don't know. I don't know, maybe she's just on the other side. Maybe she's in the other world, as they call it. Trap, so, kind of like Queenie. Kind of like Queenie yeah, in the age of... Trapper, maybe she's having a good time. I mean, it's like, you know... I know, this is so sad. Yeah, we want... We actually she looks like she's talking to someone. So we're reviewing... He's playing the, the video clip of... The, the video of the elevator. And you see, you can't see any of the the timestamps. Well, they claim that... And then that she looks, was, she's at the door right now looking to see who's out there. See, she's, it's like she saw that? somebody. She was startled. And look at how she's doing that. I think it's... What I, floor was she on? Yeah. I think she was on the 19th floor. I think paranormal psychic identities lined up with her psychological mm -hmm. and it actually made a recipe for disaster. Sure. That's, that's a good theory. Yeah, I mean that that was and without a doubt. Okay, and I mean I don't have anything... And then she kind of disappears. There that, it is. We strike We went too yeah. long. We got the chime. It's telling us... <laughs> So anyway, um, who knows what future's happening with the Cecil Hotel, and if we ever gonna find out what happened to Lisa, for sure, probably not. Anyway, pressing the buttons again. Yeah, she's pressing the buttons now. You're pressing every button, and this, I, now I'm seeing this better than I could see it on the, on, it, uh, mm -hmm. on the documentary because we're actually seeing the actual video. I she pressed him before, and then she comes in and presses him again. Well, now she's going outside, and she's the way she's taking these really weird steps. Well, they said there's one of these things buttons she did hold. Now, if they oh, now there's a hand movement. Now, one of the buttons they said she hold is the is the the, the, the see it was door all the ones in the middle, the and it actually holds the like door. She's casting a spell. And they so. did say when they figured out all the timing and fixed it all, it would actually hold the door for two minutes. Oh, okay, okay. So that final button, that was actually confirmed on the document. Okay, so then, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is this is really real. This is actually kind of creepy. Where the hell are all the other guests? Yeah, and now that's it. Well, they think the floor actually was empty? a much higher, not an empty floor, but a 19? higher floor. It was where probably there was one of the... Um, it only goes up to 19. Yeah. Yeah, probably, probably one of the, the residential floors. So anyway, I guess we'll never truly know unless we try to communicate know, with. So. I, got I wonder if it ever reopens <laughs> anything. We're gonna have to find out what happens then. Mm. We'll I'd like to go there, but we can't go there while it's all closed. I wouldn't want to go into. Oh no 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 no! That would be really creepy. Like that would be really spooky. Yeah. So, anybody have any final thoughts? Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Elisa. Alrighty, you can follow us on Twitter at A Shutters. Uh, our Instagram is at Open Shutters Podcast. Our Facebook page is the official page for uh, Facebook group page is the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. 
We have two email addresses, openshutters at yahoo.com and movieshutters at aol.com. Um, I guess that's it, huh? So yeah, until we, right. now next week, well, we, we, we may even be doing a... Um, a, uh, we're trying to get a still get a special bonus set up, which we may will if we get that we'll get it. We're not, we don't want to say much. Yeah, we might want to get a location shot. Which we're, we're working on. We're it. Working on. It. We so might we're not though. So you know. But we so. are going to review talk more about spirits in hotels. We're going to be reviewing the movie fourteen oh eight. Oh, that's that a good one. That's a good one. Stephen King too. You know, yeah. I'm a big old Stephen King fan. All right, until then. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do, don't land on an innocent Because <laughs> it might be Michael Bill trying to find the spirits. Uh, <laughs> Michael Bill couldn't find yeah. it. He was his line. <laughs> I mean, it looked like you were ready to go. Line. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Good night. See you later. Scare you later. They only showed from when Barnabas comes to about the middle of the 1897, the Quentin. Yes, that's, that's what and I those are, You didn't see any of the beginning ones, and you didn't see any of the parallel no. time or the Leviathans or any of that. And people still wanting to see more. So, eventually cable comes, Sci-Fi Channel comes, and Sci-Fi Channel buys the rights. I remember for that how long, as well. About yeah. 10 years, Sci-Fi Channel's ran the entire series. Yes. I remember that. I think they ran it about three or four times before they took it off. Mm -hmm. Then it went on VHS. Then it went on DVD. Mm -hmm. And today it is on Tubi and Internet Database, Internet Movie Database TV with ads. But the entire series is on there. Some Some of the episodes are lost, but they used to do a kinescope for, like, uh, stations that didn't that they couldn't right. broadcast to, or they didn't have the equipment to do use videotape, and that's uh, they they have those that replace them. And there's only one episode they do it through still pictures, kind of like they did the Judy Garland Stars Born and the parts that were missing, all the missing uh, footage. They filled with still pictures, and and they had the, the soundtrack. Now, uh, after uh, the House of Dark Shadows, the movie was a big hit. They made another movie, Night of Dark Shadows. This one starring David Selby, who played Quentin, Kate Jackson, and Laura Parker. Didn't do nearly as well. So they didn't make another movie after that. So in 1991, they decided they were going to revive Dark Shadows as a nighttime show. In the vein of Dynasty and Dallas, only, you know. And they started coming on with Ben Cross as, uh, as Barnabas, uh, and I'll be honest, I never watched the 1991 And stuff. it's actually very good. It and, is? Uh, yeah, Barbara Steele okay. plays Julia Hoffman. Uh, I'll have Go- to go find this. Joanna thing. Going is... You know where you'll is- find this? 
I, well, I think you have to look on YouTube now. It was on, oh, okay. it was on Hulu for a while. I think I had it on on DVD, and it might still be in Jennifer's trailer. If I do, I'll 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 give it to you to watch. You think it really was good? You liked it? I liked it. Okay, I have the only seen reason that. why it's but it only lasted a half a season because of the Gulf War kept preempting it, the first Gulf War. Yeah, and. It moved a lot faster than this one because they went all the way through to 1895. Um, Joanna Golan, what they did is instead of having Maggie be Josette, they had Victoria be Josette. And Maggie was just a girl that worked and she was having an affair with Roger. They changed a few things and there was a different girl playing Carolyn. There was a different girl. Uh, there, there was, well, of course, there was a different girl playing Carolyn. And Gene Simmons played the Joan Pettit role. Okay. Now they did. Uh, let me see the 2004. Let me look that one up. In 2004, they tried to reboot it again. And let me see who the um, the cast was. I know uh, Julia Hoffman was African American in that one. That show was 2004, and this one never even really showed. Okay, Alec Newman played Barnabas. Marley Sheldon was Victoria. Oh, Jessica Chastain was um, was Carolyn. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even put that. Oh, together. Blair Brown was Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, it was a, a it was Kelly who Kelly who um, Asian actress. It was Julia Hoffman. Hmm. And um, oh, the guy from Gilmore Girls played. And Ivana Mil- Milivec played Angelique. Now, Lizette Anthony played Angelique in the 1991 one. And she also was... You remember Trilogy of Terror? You ever saw that with Karen Black? It's three different... It's, a, it's, a, it's three things, and Karen Black plays a different character in each one. Well, they did Trilogy of Terror 2 with Lizette Anthony in, the, oh, okay. in, in that role. So, we still weren't finished with Dark Shadows yet. No. In 2012, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp was a big old fan of Dark Shadows and decided he wanted to play Barnabas. That was a role he had always wanted mm. to play. But Tim Burton takes it, but I, a lot of people are not really happy. With, they, they turned it into a comedy. And the first show is campy, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. Why it's campy? And, and it could have been. It could have been better. I'm just going to throw that big elephant out in the room. Johnny Depp was too much at that time. He was going to too campy. He was too much. Now the other roles were amazing. Like, yeah, because I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer did well as a Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. That was actually my favorite role. What's her like, name? Chloe Grace. Okay. What's uh, What's her last name? Ava Green. No, Eva Green was great as Angelique. As Angelique, yeah. No, Chloe Grace was Carolyn. Yeah, Chloe Grace, yeah. Um, and uh, Johnny Lee Miller was played Roger. And, and I'll say, I mean, I know they, he overused, Tim Burton overuses. I did say Helena Bonham Carter did a good job, but he does overuse. And there are some good things he about He does it. overuse the two of them together, though. It, See, that's part of my issue sometimes. And I thought Helena Bonham Carter was, that's who actually, I, when he, he said he was making it, I said, Helena Bonham Carter has to play Julie Hoffman. That was the first thing I thought. But he didn't do it right. He had her being an alcoholic. Yeah. And... Megan Carroll in the werewolf. And that's not her fault, because Helena Bonham Carter, no, she, whatever role she's given, she does a good job. 
But the sad part the was she was, was kind of bad. She was written bad. Well, the script was kind of bad. Like having her want to be Julia Hoffman wasn't a vain character. I guess, that, that, and really, when it comes down to the only character that was truly written right, would have been Michelle Pfeiffer. Probably got the best part of any script. Yeah, because the the thing they did with um, Carolyn, but it had some good things in it too. But Number you see, one, there's a difference though. There's the difference. We don't know for sure, but I would presume to say Michelle Pfeiffer said, hey, I'm not doing this unless you write it a certain way. Whereas Helena Bonham Carter, as great as she is, she sometimes feels indebted to Tim Burton. Yeah. Because of every, you look at all the roles he's given her. Yeah. She feels Well, wasn't he a lover at one time or were they married or what? Yeah. But so there's this indebtedness to uh, him. But, But I think I wish sometimes Helena Bonham Carter would have... She's so much more talented. I wish sometimes she'd speak up for herself in those years. She's done later now. Now you look at her in yeah. the crown. It's like, wow. She's this fully evolved. Well, she, I've, I've seen a lot of things she was really good in. Because it was a movie with, with was it Novocaine with Steve Martin. With, right. She was wonderful in that. She was like, really, this crazy drug dub bitch. It's just, I did not understand. Sometimes I felt like she sacrificed... Not all the time, because there's some really good roles she did for Tim Burton in his. I'm going to tell you the things I liked the most about that Dark Shadows movie. I liked the fact that it was it was the last thing Jonathan Fred uh, that we saw. It was the last thing Jonathan Fred did. He died before, right before it was released, and you can see they play party guests coming in the yeah. party. They're basically extras. It's John Jonathan Fred, Catherine Lee Scott, Laura Parker, and David Selby, and they put more or less. Uh, they're all elderly. And they're more or less extras. But you could see how frail yeah. Jonathan Frid was at this point. Because um, if you want, I, there is a really good documentary out there uh, called um, uh, the, uh, the Jonathan Frid Story. I got it on there. And you see him, you know, they show him footage of him at all the conventions and everything. That's another thing I forgot to touch on, too. And the, and the art direction of the era, like looking back at the 60s, early 70s, that era... Have fixing it and the actual Collinswood mansion. He, he didn't do horrible. He, he did. He did Tim Burtonize it, which was that was what we yeah. expect from Tim Burton. But that part, I would say, at least wasn't that bad. And that sex scene of them uh, destroying the room and everything was a bit much. Well, no, that was ridiculous. But but I was talking about the actual art. But the thing like that. having Angelique owning the fishery and everything, and and being real bitter against the Collins family. That was almost realistic. You know, yeah. one of the things, too, I think... It just, I think... It, they, it has spawned so much. Conventions. There are conventions. There's a Dark Shadows convention, and they do the con conventions, and a lot of the... The, the cast are getting so old now. But you know what? The actor was wrong. You know who would have been... And people are going to hate me for some of this. I'm just thinking of some of the people that would have been amazing. I mean, one name that comes to my mind who would have pulled it off... With such a finesse and, and Hugh Jackman, yeah, and he should have been. Playing he would Barnabas. have had the yeah. elegance of of Barnabas that we needed. And um, without that insane, how in the bottom Carter could, should have played Judy Hoffman, no matter yes, who but with better writing, with better writing, and Michelle Pfeiffer would have been good. I had no problem. with Or her. you know, if you want to go really old school, older women, Cher would have been good, or as Elizabeth, or. Um, or Susan Sarandon. I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning the cast of The Witches of Eastwick right now. Yeah. 
And then I look back at it, I'm like, Eva Green, I guess we didn't give her all the full props back when the movie first came out. But when you go back and look at it, you're like, No, she, wow. she, she was right. She, she was correct. She, she was right at the time, but we didn't realize how amazing she was. Think of all the things she's done since, yeah. Since then, and it's like we look back at it and we're like, "Wow, if we only would have known how we really should have given her even more props then." So, Dark Shadows is kind of like like uh, Star Trek. It's this thing yeah, that just and won't it, die, and it, and it relives itself and it transforms. And now, last it was supposed to be like a next generation. It was like to be like a Dark Shadow sequel with David's family. I just don't need an animated version of, of Dark Shadow. That's no. funny because they started doing animated things with Star Trek. I don't need that one. And Star Wars, too. <laughs> yeah, the animated stuff. I'm like, eh, like I don't know. <laughs> that could get a little too hokey, you know? But anyway, yeah, so, um, well, a, a lot of the cast is dead now. Jonathan Frid's no longer with us. Grayson Hall's no longer with us. Joan Bennett's gone. Lewis Edmonds is gone. Uh, Don Briscoe, who played Tom and Chris Jennings, he's gone. Uh, Christopher Pencock, we recently lost. John Carlin was another one. Willie Loomis, we recently lost. So, um... But it trans... Dark Shadows will always be with us. I, I think somebody needs to take those videos and restore them digitally yeah and like we said before we i don't think ann rice would have become what she was were it not for dark shadow no well if john barnabas collins was the original he was the original reluctant vampire with soul a vampire with a conscience and all these wonderful things people get into and even though i do not like twilight twilight would not have even had any success or anything were it not for dark shadow everything vampire whether we like it or not well look at the characters that were spawned from barnabas he's the grandfather of them all you have louise from uh from the Mm -hmm. anne rice uh books you have uh even lestat to a certain extent had had a conscience in the soul yeah, I mean, he was a villain in the first one, but in the, in the first books after that, you have Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I'm glad that I'm not going to get any repercussions for mentioning Buffy today. Anybody who listened to our Anne Rice episode will know what I'm talking about. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, like all of that, I mean, if you go. Like, I mean, Barnabas was the first of all, and, and Ed, um, what's his name from True Blood? Uh, Bill from True Blood. Uh, and even the, the Twilight character, Edward, is a descendant of Barnabas. And then I even would say what we do in the shadows, which I adore what we do. It all pays homage to Dark Shadows. Like Everything. Because really, really, all honesty, if you watch the new What We Do in the Shadows series, the house, just like Collinswood, the house is so important. Mm-hmm. The house is...